The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How is your work life going? Business, home, social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. If you're 60 years of age or over, you're in good company. According to United Nations estimates, this age group comprises about 12% of the world population. This percentage is forecasted to grow to approximately 25% by 2050. In the United States, baby boomers, a group that includes those who are between the ages of around 51 and 70, comprise about a quarter of the population. I mentioned these statistics to underscore, as you're looking forward into your later years, there are many fears and struggles you share with others in different parts of the world. Today's episode will provide you with tools to construct a clearer vision of your next chapter that's based in what's truly most important to you, along with goals and a plan that will address your biggest concerns. We're fortunate to be joined by Jay Smith, who's an expert on the topic of rebooting your life in your later years. In addition to facilitating Reboot Your Life retreats with her colleagues, Jay co-authored four books on this topic, the most recent being The Retirement Boom, an All-Inclusive Guide to Money, Life, and Health in Your Next Chapter, which was published this year. She's a diehard believer that we can all live the life we imagined as long as we work at it. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here to talk about a topic that can create a lot of anxiety, especially if we don't proactively plan for it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I see probably a thousand people a year who are facing uh, possibly retirement or having to consider what's next for, for them in their next chapter. And they are, I would say, 90% filled with anxiety about what will they do and what will life look like next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in talking about this topic prior to the show, you mentioned the popular book and movie, Eat, Pray, Love. I'd love to hear your perspective on how this story ties in with planning for one's next chapter in life. Sure. Uh, of course, in that movie, she was motivated by you know a sad episode, but often many of us have sad episodes in our life related to health, uh, work, family, and what I like about that book in terms of the inspiration is the idea of, of seeing new landscapes, to be able to allow yourself to 
look at the world a little bit differently, get input from, in that, in her case, different cultures, different perspectives, which opened up her heart and mind to a new way of living, a totally new way of living in her case. Mm-hmm. And, one, and one can do that in their own home. One doesn't have to necessarily travel to Italy and India and all the places that she traveled to, although that's really lovely and, and a wonderful thing to do. And on the side, there are ways to do that that are less expensive. One can go as a volunteer. One can go as uh, someone who's helping someone else who's even older <laughs> to go on a, on a trip and who needs support and, and friendship and a companionship. But even in your own home, uh, someone who was just taking a walk and I advised her to, you know, just think about her life and her future and, and take a walk in a new area, neighborhood that she'd not been in before. And she took a right walk to the right and there was a food market and to the left was a dog run. And she said, going to the food market was my road commonly traveled. Going to the left was my road less traveled. Mm. And it just caused her to think differently. The dogs represented a community and that she was reinforced that she wanted to be a part of community. And she saw the bridge and she thought, oh, that could be a bridge between two cultures. And it just stimulated her to think about herself very differently than she had before. Mm. I love that idea that it's something that's very easily doable and accessible for everyone. It helps to have that environment change that can really help you to see things in a new light or just notice things you hadn't noticed and you can do it in your own neighborhood. Right, exactly, exactly. Since you work with groups and individuals, many people in terms of planning for their next chapter, what are some of the universal concerns and fears that you come across? Yeah, I think loss of identity. Uh, I hear commonly that for people who have retired without a plan, that the worst day of their life was day one when they had no emails in their inbox, that, that no one cared about them, that they had no purpose, that, that there was no identity, that who, who would they now say that they were instead of their business card? That's what we're used to, to doing. And so I think having purpose and identity and the fear of not being able to make an impact, I think, are three of them. And then the other is loss of community. Mm-hmm. You know, that for many people, their job is their life. It's their friendship. It's their social circle. They get home. They may have a family, but it may often be limited to that. Their work friends and their family, and that's all they can manage in a busy life. Mm-hmm. Do your reboot retreats also include people who are not necessarily retiring, but they're really thinking about at a later point how they want to change their life because they're noticing changes that are happening within them. They're they want a different lifestyle. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the reboot your life concept is is broad. Uh, in most of our retreats, we will have someone in the age, age ranges like thirty five to eighty. You know, we in one group we actually had that kind of age range, and the younger person um, toward the end of the retreat said, "You know, I wasn't sure how this was going to work out. You know." If, felt like it was directed toward retirement, but I realized this is a universal process and it's good for anybody, whether you're even in early career trying to make clearer decisions, but in particular mid-career and then as you transition into the the next stages of of your career. Mm -hmm. And you talked about purpose and also community as being two essential pieces for individuals. It would be really helpful if we could talk through maybe an example around that, that you experience someone who came to one of your retreats or you worked with one-on-one and 
some of the different fears and concerns that pe- that person had that that are fairly common and how you were able to address those. Yeah, I mean, if going through the Rolodex of my brain, <laughs> all the, the many people. Uh, I guess m- most recently there was a woman who came into the retreat and she was very shy, introverted, uh, kind of came in with her head, her shoulders hunched over and her head down and, you know, you could see that she thought everybody was better than her and she didn't have what it took to wrestle with this issue, that she was just terrified. She was a single woman um, in her early 60s, uh, was doing catering and uh, working in a restaurant and, uh, you know, sort of helping out in her community. So in her case, her community was very, very important to her. But she decided that she, with prompting by her sons, wanted to move to a warmer climate um, and, you know, what would that look like? But she was terrified of being alone. So by the end of the retreat, uh, there were about 12 people. She, her, her body language just rose, you know, little by little, her head lifted off her shoulders, her arms back, her head up, a smile on her face as she started to see the possibilities of how she could reinvent her life. She had a deep passion for animals. And so that combined with her cooking you know, apparently we were disappointed that we didn't get to taste her mm-hmm. <laughs> special baking uh, goods. But uh, she slowly, you know, through the planning and the guidance of the group, went to Arizona, explored different neighborhoods, immediately fell in love with a neighborhood that and town that embraced her instantly, you know, welcomed her, talked to her, made her feel like she had lived there her whole life. And so that transition helped, and it helped to have her report to somebody, let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you how it went. So I think mm-hmm. having people to hold you accountable but also to support you in that journey is really critical. Mm-hmm. And so she's in the process of moving. She already has a catering job there, and uh, she's bringing her dog and is thinking about starting a grooming business out of her home. That's really exciting. Yeah. Did she already come to the treat <clears throat> having a sense of what her passions were? Not really. She was a not very self-reflective person. Um, and because she was more introverted, she didn't really talk to a lot of people about what she was doing. And it was her son who prompted her to come. He was very worried about her isolation and felt like she needed a community. And we're very grateful that it had happened exactly as he hoped, but also even beyond her wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And just for illustration purposes, what was the process that she experienced that helped her to identify her passions and also to mobilize around pursuing them? Sure. Uh, well, we do a number, we have a number of exercises and activities and, and you know, guided conversations uh, around deep interests, you know, the things that really motivate you to get up in the morning, you know, what gives you joy, what stimulates your passion. And she talked a lot about animals she also, we talked about her past, the kinds of things she's done. What did she like about these jobs? What didn't she like about the jobs? To kind of start to get a profile of who she was and who she could be potentially. And then the benefit of being in a group is that everybody had new ideas. How about this? How about that? Have you ever considered this? She would then maybe bat some of them out, no because of this and no because of that. But even she could start to hear her negative attitude and and not really open to possibilities. And so then she started looking at herself. Well, why was that? What were her fears? What was she afraid of? What what was getting in her way? 
-hmm. And so we help provide her with alternative perspectives, alternative realities that she could see herself in realistically without totally changing who she was as a person. Mm -hmm. So you go through a process where you're really reflecting on, you're stepping back into this neutral space with these mostly people you don't know. Right. And in these retreats, which can really add a lot of value, right? Not to have that bias or the history of interaction that sometimes can keep someone in more of a closed place around something. Yeah. If you keep going to the same friends and the same family members who have the same perspective, you're not going to get new information and new insights. So even if you're not in a retreat, you can do that on your own by joining a different kind of social group or joining a book club or, uh, you know, in the States we have meetup groups and there may be other kind of social social groups that one get or things associated with colleges and alumni programs. Uh, often they have career centers that are open to the public as well as a place to go. Mm-hmm. So you're connecting with likes and dislikes and you're getting a chance to hear yourself talk out loud in a group environment and also have reflected back what other people are seeing and hearing and benefit from their ideas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We also do an exercise uh, called visioning. It's a, it's a walking visualization. And we direct people to take a walk somewhere where they can not necessarily interact with somebody else that they know. So a walk in the park, a walk along the beach, a walk in the woods. It can be also a walk in a city uh, or a, a quiet neighborhood. And to to answer a question, so to identify a question that you want to answer. So in her case is a year from now she's living in her new home what would it look like and what would it feel like? And then we ask people to take that as their mantra, in a sense, to say, okay, I'm going to focus only on that question and I will take a walk for half an hour. And let me mull on that and think about it. And then come back and write whatever you see or think during that period of time. And that's where we tap into our unconscious. Because the walking stimulates your left and right brain by left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. So you are moving forward, but you're also stimulating both your analytical side of your brain as well as the brain that's filled with possibilities and taps into your unconscious or subconscious. Mm-hmm. So that helps you get at not necessarily just ideas for yourself about what next, also some of the things that may be standing in the way. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens is if you enable yourself to see the things that you'd ideally like to have, then come back to reality and say, well, like, I don't know. That's when friends and supporters and your sort of team of advisors or in a group can help say, well, why are you being so negative about that? That's what you dreamed. So there must be a reason you dreamed that. So let's look at what these naysayer voices are and, and why they're interfering with you getting what you want. Mm-hmm. So in this case, sometimes there's a scenario where someone really may not be connected enough with what they could possibly do next, what's going to really motivate and drive them. What are some of the other scenarios that you see? Sometimes maybe people do come in with a sense of what they're passionate about and there are other areas where they feel stuck. Yeah, I mean, we do some of the exercises I talked about earlier. Also do a skills assessment exercise to really look at, of the skills that you have, of those skills, what do you enjoy using most? What what gives you the greatest satisfaction? And of those skills, what do you think are skills that you can market to the outside world that are needed and desired and wanted? 
So someone might say, well, I'm, I'm uh, uh, very uh, investigative. I love to research. I love to analyze. So that might be, might be support them in moving in a different direction. Right. So we're, so essentially you're doing an inventory and that gives you more of an open space really to be able to determine of the variety of skill sets that you have, which ones you can practically implement and which ones also you realistically would want to implement professionally. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a a couple of minutes left before we go to commercial. Are there any other common issues that you see folks come in with? along with a strategy that you suggest for addressing? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, there's a couple of the practical ones. Um, will I have enough money, you know, to support my dreams and my vision for my life? You know, the good news is is that baby boomers, uh, as well as all of us, all generations now going forward, will live longer. We're more conscious about our health and more aware uh, about exercise and wellness so there may be a longer life, and so there may need to you may need to have more money <laughs> than you might have mm-hmm. thought and planned for. So that's certainly one major concern. Mm-hmm. And and I'm guessing you don't delve into very deeply all of the financial aspects. But what kinds of resources or recommendations do you offer so that people can get the guidance they need along those lines? Yeah, well, certainly for people to speak to their financial advisor, and if they don't have one, to get one. You know, whether it's affiliated with a bank or investment house or an independent person, someone who will look objectively at that their whole as all their assets and also their their fixed expenses and the variable expenses. And then it's to start saving in advance. You know, start now thinking about how to simplify your life, how to cut expenses, how to put yourself on a budget. Uh, what are some things that can be cut out? to start to have more available to you over time and start getting into that habit. Mm-hmm. And I know in your book you mentioned it's never too early to start or too late to start. Yes. So I'm just wondering in terms of the planning and transition process, I know that it can be hard to offer a suggested timeline because everyone's needs and situations are so different. But if if you could talk a little bit about just looking at a timeline for making a transition so that it won't be such a dramatic event in your life. Yeah, yeah. If you're really thinking about changing, I would recommend starting at least a year in advance, ideally. I've certainly had people had a lot less time than that, but that's, if you want to do it leisurely, take your time to research, take your time to talk to people, take your time to test out new things. There's a lot of programs around for people to volunteer, adults to volunteer. There's a, a movie here in the States called The Intern um, where he was mm-hmm. testing out uh, or getting back because he wanted to be relevant again. Um, so to, to try, some people you know, take vacations in areas where they're considering moving to. Mm-hmm. where it's cheaper. There's a lot of information. I get something called international postcards every day where people are moving in droves to places in Latin America. Panama, for example, has an incentive for people who are retired, gives them tax abatements, and that you can live apparently happily on your what you get from Social Security you know, in the United States. So whatever the fixed income is, there are places where it's easier to live. But that's, of course, a major change to move communities, cultures, languages, and that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I love your point about integrating time really for experimentation, yeah. that you can have a plan. And I heard of a couple who sold everything and moved to Arizona and then were not happy and wound up coming back. So you want to leave enough time for exploration to really test those ideas. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. We're going to take two for a brief commercial. When we come back, Jay will share more strategies that will help you to reboot your life. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Reboot Your Life expert Jay Smith. Jay spoke about the fears and struggles that are universal when it comes to considering the next chapter of your life. She also started to talk about the importance of visualization, and I would love for you to share more about that, Jay. Yeah, it's really such an important tool. I have found that it's guided me in many big decisions that I've made in my life. One, I was sleeping, and during the night I had this dream of myself sitting around an oval oak table where I was surrounded by colleagues and friends and people I'd worked with over the years that I trusted. Behind me was a flip chart. And I was even asking myself in the dream, what is it that I'm looking at? What is this? And in my dream, I said to myself, it was the Human Resources Consulting Consortium. (laughs) And I woke up in the morning and said to my husband, you know, Eureka, I got it. It feels so right. It feels like what I should be doing. And we talked more about it. And then that day, I, I actually happened to be having lunch with an old friend of mine. We had worked together before, and you know, we talked always talked about working together. And I said, oh, I have to tell you about this dream. And she said, oh, I have to tell you something, too. And so that's where dreams and, and reality collided. She wanted to tell me that she was ready to leave her current company. When I told her about my dream, she said, let's do it. Wow. And we have an oval oak conference room table uh-huh. <laughs> in the conference room with a flip chart in the background. So uh, it was it was very exciting. So visualization really um, is used in health. It's used in academics. It's used in uh, sports uh, very uh, competitively to get athletes to visualize them winning, visualizing them getting a, a medal. 
And there was one story about an Olympic athlete who was doing one of the, I'm not sure which race it was, but, you know, a big fast dash. And at the end, he, he won the bronze. And the reporter asked him, you know, well, how'd you feel about winning the bronze? And of course, he said, well, <laughs> I would have preferred to win, win the gold. And he said, well, what would you have done differently to win the gold? He said, I would have visualized winning the gold. I only visualize winning a medal. That's interesting. So the more specific you can be, I know um, Tiger Woods, a lot of the golfers, you know, all the football athletes, soccer athletes, they all utilize visualization for really what's their intent and how are they going to make that make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I know I I referred to the visualization exercise before uh, briefly, but it really is to really think about what's the question, the burning question that you have for yourself. Is it what will your next chapter look like? Uh, is it, as I said before, if you were totally happy in your life um, a year from now, what would you be doing? What would it feel like? Who would you be with? It could also be looking at uh, three years out. Could be looking at fur- a further distance in terms of how you want to, what you want to create for yourself. But it's really important to think of, a, of one specific question. You might brainstorm a few questions, but pick one of them, write it down, put that paper and pencil down, and take that walk I talked about before. What's also important that I didn't mention is not to look anybody in the eye as you're walking. Because as we all know, we're a culture that we want to be, we're all in cultures where, for the majority anyway, that you smile when you see somebody and you want to acknowledge them so not to appear rude or disengaged. So in this case, though, when you smile, it disengages you from your brain and from your thinking. Mm-hmm. So so it's really important to stay in your mind without, you know, rocking into traffic or getting hit by mm-hmm. a car. But to really, keep, you know, as your mind wanders about your, you know, the grocery list or things you need to do tomorrow, come back to keep asking yourself that question over and over again um, and and see what appears. And just be mindful and notice what you're thinking, what's what or are you visualizing your mind. And then, as I said before, and do that for about half an hour. And then come back and just sit quietly, again, not talking to anybody yet, and just writing everything you saw and thought and visualized. Mm-hmm. And have a look at it. Now, this is something you can do Frequently, you can do it every week to ask yourself a different question. It really is also not only a visualization exercise, but a mindful, ex- a mindfulness exercise. It's almost like meditating on your life and the questions for your life. And most of us don't even take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. And you talked about a year period being a fairly reasonable time for the planning process so that you have a chance to explore and test your ideas in terms of the visualization process, as, they're, as it's tied into looking at your next chapter of life, how far into the future <laughs> mm. do you recommend that folks visualize? Well, I would use it almost at the moment you've decided you're ready for the change. You know, our bodies tell us, our minds tell us, our hearts tell us, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm ready. I mean, also could be external messages, too. Your boss says, okay, you know, no one can work here over 62 <laughs> or uh, we're going to have a big layoff and probably, you know, the rumor has it, it's going to be anybody over whatever age. So you could see things coming. So you want to take charge of it and you want to really um, be in control of your own life. So the minute you start to think it's, t- it's time to make a, a move, let me think and let me visualize what that might look like. 
Now, a month or so after that, you might visualize something else because you've learned more about yourself and about what you want and what's happening out in the world. You may have learned about what your benefits package is or something may have happened in your family that has shifted um, the direction you're going into. So uh, a number of things can happen, but to do it early on and then at different points, maybe every couple of months, do it again to see where you're at and if you keep coming up with the same idea or if new ideas come to you. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're allowing really that growth process to take place where your ideas may shift. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you're in tune with that. Yeah. So if I decide I've had this very long successful career in investment banking and I think at this point my spouse, let's say, is working less, we have grandchildren. I know I'm, I'm probably being stereotypical here in, in this illustration, but basically anyone who's in a situation where they're saying, I think I want to take, I'll take myself out of, or at least lessen the, the pace of work that I'm currently involved with. And I could see myself maybe a year from now or two years from now making that transition so I'm going to take this walk, this half-hour walk, and I'm going to ask myself the question, what would the change look like? Yeah. Right, and see what ideas come to me. Yeah, you know, what's, what's interesting is that for people who have worked very intensely for long periods of time, often what they visualize is doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they visualize, you know, sleeping late, getting up, having a cup of coffee, reading the paper, watching TV. Uh, one woman said, all I want to do is watch TV from 9 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon because mm-hmm. <laughs> she was so physically and emotionally exhausted. So sometimes people don't do anything for six months or a year or even two years. And when I say don't do anything, they don't do anything planful. They sort of live mm-hmm. each day as it comes. But eventually... Almost everybody, uh, not everybody, but a large percentage of of people, let's say 75% of people I talk to, are saying, like, well, now what? Okay, I'm rested. I'm recovered. I've made the transition. I don't worry about my emails anymore. I don't care what's happening back at the office now. It's okay. It could blow up. It's not my problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of guilt, actually, with retiring if you're leaving a team behind and uh, leaving colleagues, you know, that you liked and cared about. So, but then it's but it's then what? So then it's time for a new visualization, mm-hmm. <laughs> time for a new plan. Mm-hmm. It could also be like the person you described who went to Arizona. That was the plan. They didn't do their research, <laughs> so mm-hmm. now they have to have a new visualization. Mm-hmm. You know, taking into account what they learned from that experience. So it's nothing lost. That's a really reassuring process because sometimes we're looking from for certainty and. What you're saying is that there are going to continue to be constant shifts and you just need to respond to where you are right now. Right. And then take it from there moving forward if what you need is a break to be able to rejuvenate and regroup and have a clearer perspective of what really will suit you, let's say, six months after you transition yeah. from a major work engagement then you you continue to come back to it and just stay on the pulse of where you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is another reality that affects baby boomers, and that is being part of the sandwich generation, so that we have our aging parents that we need to be concerned about and figure out 
how to plan for them. And often they become part of our plan, either by moving in with us or living in a smaller home nearby or living in assisted living or in some kind of retirement home, perhaps. Then we have our children who at this point have graduated from college potentially and may or may not be able to find a job. And depending on where you live and what city, it can be very expensive to live there. So many, this huge proportion of young adults who are moving back in with their parents. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a real pressure on both their financial resources uh, as well as their plan, their great vision and their great plan. Mm-hmm. So that then requires some boundary setting and you know, some establishment of, of uh, boundaries related to um, children and maybe contributing to the rent and not zapping your financial resources to finding caregivers perhaps for parents that are not crazy expensive but give you the free time to do the things that you want to pursue and enjoy in this stage of life. Mm-hmm. So it's, it can be for many, I hear this a lot, a very tricky balance. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting predicament for someone who's been working for so many years and raised children and has been connected with their family, their parents. And as you're thinking about the changes that you want to make and what would be ideal for you, you're also working on that in the context of these other responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it, as part of the planning process, and we can talk more about that later, is include them in your thinking. You know, mm-hmm. bring your kids and say, this is what we're planning on doing or I'm planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Say to parents, this is what I'd like to do, so let's put a plan in place that makes sure you're safe and happy and I'm safe and happy. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that you brought this up because it brings to mind someone I spoke with and who, who has had a wonderful career and, and who said, I can't stop working because I have to help my child and her children. <laughs> yeah. So so it's not something to throw your hands up in the air about that you can still work it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's true. Sometimes it happens while they're still working. As someone who participated in one of our corporate uh, we call them reinventing retirement programs, same concept and idea. Uh his son and wife and their two children uh decided to move back home with their agreement so that they could save money to buy a house. So Mm -hmm. it's for a short period of time, and the gentleman I was speaking to is still working, but it is draining his his savings. Mm -hmm. But he openly talked about it. He said, I want to give back to my children. This is important to us. We feel good about it. We're happy to have them near us right now because we know once they move away, we may not see them as often. So he reframed it in a very positive way. But practically speaking, it was, you know, did have an an impact on on the numbers, but he was willing to live with that. Mm-hmm. It would seem then that this process really opens up a lot of communication within families, because I would guess that some of these issues are not necessarily spoken about until maybe you enter this type of planning and support process yeah. that encourages building a plan around these circumstances. So obviously you really need to talk it through and you need to be able to share in, a, in as a positive way as possible how these different factors are impacting you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that reminds me of, of maybe one of the other concerns is what will life be like at home? 
so there's sometimes where one, if there's a partnership, one person retires, the other one doesn't. So that's a negotiation right there. Mm-hmm. And then when both retire, you know, it's the dream of, yay, we can be together, we can travel, we can do things together. But the reality is you're still two separate people and have lived in a certain way many for many, many years. Uh, one person said to, to her husband, uh, I married you for life, not for lunch. <laughs> so, you know, he was expecting, you know, lunch on the table. So what are we eating today? And she said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to my yoga class. <laughs> Kudos. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's really about, you know, agreeing on how to use the space at home. You know, it really is whose kitchen is it anyway? Who's responsible for that? One woman said her husband came home. He's an organizing freak. He totally rearranged the kitchen and put things in places she had no idea where anything was. She said, you can do whatever you want as long as you do all the cooking. Mm -hmm. So they renegotiated that. It wasn't that way before. So and then there's also having your own personal space. I think that's you're used to having your office or a place outside the home. So now you're both in the home. Who's going to take over what part of the home? And if if there's a way for there to be two desks, separate desks, as opposed to sharing a desk, which is, from anybody I speak to, that does not work, mm-hmm. um, might work maybe one or two times out of ten. Uh, but finding where you have each of your own space, where you can do with it what you want, put things there that you want, you know where to find things, and that you have some sense of control and independence mm-hmm. while still being at home and, and sharing the larger space with, with your partner. Jay, do these types of negotiations happen before someone actually makes a big change? Or Ideally, they do. They <laughs> usually don't. <laughs> they usually don't. I was speaking to a gentleman who's also a sort of career life coach, and he said that he had a client who, when he asked his client, gee, you're retiring, you know, what's your plan? And he said, well, you know, my wife has her own business, so I'm going to work with her. Uh-huh. And <laughs> was his wife aware of this plan? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so there was guidance to say, well, maybe you better talk to your wife first before you build that as a plan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So that's an interesting point that basically what you negotiate when you're both actively involved in different things. And, and for some people, they might be in a business together that they want to transition from. But that's still different than what you might negotiate when you when you have more flexibility in your schedule and you're you're sharing the same space more often. Yes, yeah. It's really important to talk about it ahead of time. It can cause a great deal of stress in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know your your reboot retreats are generally a couple of days. They start Friday at three and end Sunday at one. Mm-hmm. And then what do people do after that? Because it sounds like there's a lot of content that comes up, a lot of fears that come up. And maybe some action planning around them. And then there's also this ongoing process of change that you need to negotiate. Yeah. Well, the groups are desperate to stay together, to your point. And so uh, they schedule with our support. But we like it that they're doing it themselves so that it's driven by them rather than feeling like it's our issue and our need. Mm -hmm. And so they schedule, depending on the group, but either monthly calls or every other month calls or quarterly calls. And then we have annual reunions for everybody who's ever participated in a retreat to come together. And so it's a great expansion of your network to be able to join into that group. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So so the retreat really is a foundational process where you get to think out of the box and you get a chance to be honest. 
And then you have this built-in framework for ongoing conversations and support. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one corporate con- group that I did uh, over a year ago now, and they say, please don't stop these calls. They're keeping us on track. Uh-huh. So they're actually group calls. Yes. Okay. I thought it was the, the participants who stay in touch with one another. Well, as a group, they, some of them do it individually, but we, we schedule group calls where we, the facilitators, are also on the call, but we let them drive it. You know, we'll add our two cents and reinforcement and support, but the group is, it becomes a peer coaching um, tele, teleconference. I like this framework that you're suggesting, which is with the visualization, that it's a consistent process that you're engaging in so that you're in touch with whatever's, in, whatever's impacting your own experience, your fears, your concerns, your planning process. And then you want to make sure that you have that infrastructure of support in place. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. Even if it's one person who's your accountability partner, somebody who you trust, who has a positive, supportive attitude, will not be a naysayer, and, and have them know what's going on with you and someone to report into and be held accountable to. Mm-hmm. And is that person generally someone you've already known or is it someone uh, from the, from who you've met at the retreat? Well, uh, it could be for anybody, whether you're at the retreat or not, uh, it could be someone that you know and trust. It could be someone you hire. Uh, when I had a private practice in career development, uh, it felt like you know, 50% of the time they were hiring me just so I kept, kept them on track, uh-huh. that they might have done the homework assignment the morning of our meeting, but they got it done. Okay. Phenomenal. We're going to go to a quick commercial. When we return, Jay will talk about setting goals and building a plan that will enable you to receive the support that you need. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Are you a business leader or owner who's ready for a lifestyle change? If conditions in your company's environment or marketplace are reducing your quality of life, now might be a good time to develop an exit strategy. Creating a transition plan enables you to pace your need for change while celebrating an enriching career. Ensure that you exit on a high note by enlisting the expertise of Hemda Mizrahi. Learn more at lifeandcareerchoices.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. 
We're back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by Reboot Your Life expert Jay Smith. Jay spoke of the importance of visioning your, your ideal future as a way to connect with your true desires above and beyond societal influences. We're going to move on to talk about the other building blocks of the Reboot Your Life process, setting goals and building a plan to obtain the support that you need. Jay, what can you share about these steps in the process? Sure. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the steps that actually implement the plan and, and the great vision that, that you've come up with. So certainly you can't make a plan unless you know where you're going. It's the same with anything in life, um, although some people do go on vacation without a destination in mind, at least maybe a country, but not necessarily where they're going to stay and what they're going to do while they're there. But when you're thinking about your life, being that haphazard and that fluid is, is not necessarily going to get you where you want to go. So if you start with the vision and uh, the dream of what that looks like, then to really think about, and you could do this with a friend or colleague or from the retreats, you know, what does that mean you need to do? So what steps are you going to take? So what are the goals associated with that vision? Mm -hmm. And think about it over a timeline. You know, what does that look like over the course of this year? Mm -hmm. So we use something called uh, Circle Goals, and it was created uh, and first presented in a book called uh, The Artist's Way at Work and then The Artist's Way uh, as a way to not kind of mind mapping, but taking elements of that, freeing your brain in, in a way. So if you take a circle and you cut it up into equal parts of areas and categories in your life that you want to satisfy over the next year, for example. So they could be things like and related to your goals. Well, based on what I visioned, I definitely need to get my financial house in order. So finance is going to be a big piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. Another one is to build more fun into my life. Why do I need to wait to retirement to have fun in my life? So I'm going to make that you know, a piece of my pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, another might be travel more. And some people might think fun and travel are the same, but could be uh, spirituality, you know, getting more, more connected to uh, religious affiliation, could be more connected to uh, your, your own spirituality. So it could be meditation, yoga which also moves into health. Health and exercise are often what baby boomers are thinking most about. Uh, And I didn't talk that much about it in terms of concerns, but it is also how do I stay healthy and vital to enjoy my next chapter? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because everybody's afraid that they'll get sick and then won't enjoy the things that they've set out to do. Mm -hmm. So you break up this pie into the five or six categories that you would like to focus your next year on and really apply yourself to. Uh, that will help you to get closer to your your vision. And then you identify three to five, the more the, the merrier, uh, specific actions and goals that you want to take in association with that category. Mm-hmm. So with the finance, it could be find, get recommendations for a good financial advisor. Meet with that financial advisor. By when? You need to make it specific. I use the term SMART goals, which is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. And I think mm-hmm. time-bound is, is critical, that you don't just let it go on indefinitely. You know, By the end of March, by the end of June, by mid-August or mid-summer, by the end of this year, I will have. Mm-hmm. And um, so you write what the goals and the actions are that you want to take toward that category. And that's something that's important to share with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because like other resolutions, 
you say them and they don't happen. There's also something important about handwriting this. A lot of people might create a spreadsheet on the computer or create something else. But initially, it's good because of the brain and hand coordination of, of reinforcing the message of, of that goal that you are physically writing. There is something that occurs uh, organically that helps to reinforce the action taken there. Mm-hmm. If you type it is that the same thing? It's oh, not. You said, oh, you said it's not. No, there's it's no not. other way. Right. You can only handwrite and type. <laughs> That's so right. That's that right. kind of eliminates the typing yeah. option. Or you could talk. There's a lot of uh, dictation <laughs> apps now. You can talk into mm-hmm. it and they'll send you an email. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so to really write those down and then to start plugging them into your calendar. Okay, so he, this is what I said I'm going to do by then. I'm going to put it in my calendar. What am I going to do this week toward it, next week, the following week? And really have that be your guide to direct you through the course of the year. And I do this with my colleagues, with my, uh, we call ourselves the sabbatical sisters because our first book was about <laughs> taking sabbaticals. Uh, but every year we, we meet the early part of the year when we're meeting anyway for a retreat and we go over each other's circle goals and mm. challenge each other. Well, when are you going to do that by? And you sure that's long enough or don't you want to do it over a longer period of time you know really challenging the reality of what we're saying so that we are more likely to actually achieve the goals that mm-hmm. we've set out for ourselves mm-hmm. and how often would you recommend this process so you have these circle goals and then you have the goals three to five goals that are related to them that are time bound that you know that you can achieve yes <laughs> Would you repeat this every three months or how, what, what do you recommend around that? Yeah, the circle goals are once a year, I think. Um, but you can have, now you can have a spreadsheet for those people who really want a spreadsheet of here's the actions I need to take, you know, who can help. I like the category of actions I want to take, who can help, you know, who's a resource for me or someone I can call to help me with that. Could be, uh, you know, I need a will written up. It's an important thing to have, you know, as we're transitioning from work into the next phase of our life. So I need a lawyer or I'm going to call Hemda for a recommendation for a lawyer. That's my next action step. And then by the end of June, I will have seen the lawyer and I will have my documents. So that you can do in a spreadsheet where you talk about what you want to do, who's going to help, what actions you need to take and by when. And that Mm -hmm. can be very specific. So Mm -hmm. it keeps you on track. Everybody has a different mode that motivates them. So it's thinking about what would motivate yourselves uh, more than any other approach and, and apply that to this mm-hmm. activity. I was wondering about the time frame for the circle goals, just in conjunction with checking in to see if anything has changed around that. If you're doing it, let's say, for the year, I guess you'll know, obviously, if you need to revisit it, if something has changed dramatically, if in one month, suddenly that priority no longer exists. Yeah, yeah. I think what what can change in that, often because the categories are broad, Mm -hmm. uh, they don't necessarily change. But sometimes health has taken a a larger percentage of time because maybe an illness has occurred, you know, Mm -hmm. during the course of the year. And so that's more emphasis, more activities, more focus. Or uh, the opportunity to travel has come up. So there's more more actions and, and goals associated with those. But the categories probably don't change, but the actions within them may change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how often do you suggest focusing on the goal setting process? Oh, daily. <laughs> daily. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one person who, she had 
five years of, of planning for her retirement. She had mm-hmm. a binder that was about five inches thick mm-hmm. <laughs> that had uh, pictures that she'd tear out of magazines of places that she wanted to go and to visit and the kind of lifestyle and the quality of life that she wanted to have or research that she found, uh, financial information, things that she needed to do. It was very well organized. And actually the categories were like associated with the categories of her circle goals things that she was specifically doing related to each of those categories and collecting information about them. And that she carried around with her. Uh, she had it at her office with her, you know, in her desk. She brought it home with her on the weekends. She took it on vacations. So it really became a, a thing in itself that, that was driving her. Like, like that was the thing that was going to make sure she didn't slack off and kept pursuing her dreams. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a customized Reboot Your Life guide. Yes, it was. She won't let me get my hands on it, but I'd love to see uh-huh. it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it seems like it also brings into the picture the visualization you talked about, because if certain images come to you about things that you want to have, yeah. you can always put them in, into that type of manual resource that you're using. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, when you just said visualize or create to draw, I have one client who is a very creative, artistic person, although her role was as the head of human resources for a big luxury brand clothing line. Uh, When she went through the process, she started uh, doing her journal. And journaling is actually, I haven't really talked about that much, is an important part of the process to keep you on track. She did her journals and drawings. And depicted, you know, the vision that she had for herself that day, what her intention was for that day, what her intention was for her life. And so created visuals that that drove her and stimulated her creativity because that was one of the things she wanted to have more of in her life was her creativity. And that's how she started while she was working, too. Mm, phenomenal. So in terms of the planning process, we're, we're already at our three minutes to wrap up, Mark. <laughs> this has been so much fun. What are some recommendations you have for the planning process? Well, I think it's finding ways to hold yourselves accountable. Uh, I know that everybody leads busy lives, you know, with work and family and other uh, social obligations. So it's finding a mechanism that keeps you on track toward pursuing your goals and your dreams. I think that's really, really critical. And whether that's a specific person or a group of people that you meet regularly with so that you have someone to report to, uh uh-oh, this is what I did or this is what I didn't do so that... Uh, I don't want to say shame, but, you know, motivates you and inspires you to want to do something differently. And traveling, of course, as we all know, is a a great stimulator to keep us thinking about the dreams and and outside of the day-to-day because we do get stuck in the Mm day-to-day. So I think journaling is also, I didn't talk that much about it, but is an important part of this process too, is to journal. You could journal daily. That's ideal um, where you write a page or two about you know, what you're grateful for, but also what your intention is for that day toward achieving your goals. Mm-hmm. So we have the journaling process and we also have ensuring that you have resources in place, whether it's a group or an individual or both, to help you stay on track. Yes. Yeah. I think anything that you know, knowing yourself, what do you know you need and surrounding yourself with not just one accountability partner, but maybe a, a group of personal advisors that could help you on the finance side, could help you on the health side, can help you on any of the categories related to your circle goals. Do you have an advisor related to each of those categories in your circle goals that can help keep you focusing on track? Mm-hmm. So I know, Jay, you've referred to that really as bringing together an advisory board 
to address the different areas. Yeah. Yeah, that you identify are most important. Yeah, and that advisory board may change as you evolve in your planning process that, okay, you don't need the lawyer anymore, but now you need a different kind of professional or person who has an expertise in a particular area. So that may evolve as your needs evolve. So think about your circle goals. Who do you need to help you implement those? And then next year, do you need those same people or do you need a different set of people? to support you. And these could be friends, not necessarily people you're you're paying to help you, but friends and colleagues and friends of friends and relatives who are more than happy to help support you in, in realizing your dreams because you become a great role model for everybody else. Thank you, Jay. I, I'm leaving this conversation feeling more at ease, just benefiting from this framework that you've provided around addressing your fears and concerns and engaging visualization and the goal-setting process, and also aspects of the planning process that you mentioned. And I appreciate this so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'd like to invite you to delve a little bit deeper. Also, Jay and her colleagues offer quarterly Reboot Your Life retreats, which you can learn more about through their website, rebootbreak.com. That's rebootbreak.com. You can also reach Jay directly at Jay, J-A-Y-E, at rebootbreak.com. You'll find more in-depth information about today's topic and gain access to a large list of resources by reading The Retirement Boom, The All-Inclusive Guide to Money, Life, and Health in Your Next Chapter, and also Reboot Your Life, Energize Your Career in Life by Taking a Break. Both books are available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. If you have unanswered questions about today's episode, please email them to me at hosthemda at gmail.com. We'll post responses through our social media sites, which you can access by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.